0: Hope everybody's doing well this week as we get going tonight. I'm going to uh, go back to last week again. I think what we've studied last week was so very important to you and to me. This this lesson is, is the ultimate in, in my mind. And the reason I'm saying this, it's it's really about what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to appropriate the power of the Spirit? And if it is true, and it is, as the Scripture says, walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If that is true, knowing it, it is. Then that means if we're not loving someone we need to love, there is an answer and it's called walking in the Spirit of God. If we're having incredible fear, we've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. That's how we overcome it. If we have no joy, we want to experience joy. We've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. What does it mean to do that? And I want to make it as very simple as I can. So some of you have heard this. I don't mind repeating it over and over. It only takes a few minutes. But I want you to just hear what it means. I want to start with this. If someone came to you right now and said, please tell me, I am a Christian, but I'm not sure what it means to appropriate the power of God's Spirit so that I can overcome the sin temptations that I'm experiencing would you be able to explain to them clearly how to do that? Even if you feel you're, you're experiencing walking in the Spirit yourself, but you couldn't articulate it, then listen with those kind of ears to say, this is how I want to articulate this. At least be one way you could do that. We often hear, we pray to, pray to be filled with the Spirit. Well, I, I'm not s- suggesting that there's not reality to that. You pray to be filled with the Spirit. But I think many who hear that pray to be filled with the Spirit don't really understand thoroughly what that really means. And so it's, okay, Lord, fill me with the Spirit. Oh, gosh, I'm still tempted in such a way. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. I don't think it didn't work. Well, I don't think they've really understood it. When you pray, is it possible to pray without consciously closing your eyes, bowing your head, or saying words in your mind or out loud? We all agree yes. Now, how would you pray without ceasing if you're not saying come up with words constantly be praying? It's it's a heart of prayer that's connected with the Lord and you're communicating with Him. That's what it means. You're in communication with the Lord, though you may not be having a conversation at the moment. Is it possible to be filled with the Spirit without having a conscious Interaction and praying and and oh, absolutely. But wouldn't it be odd for someone who says, "Oh, I pray a lot. I just never consciously pray. I never have a time of prayer. I never think about just stopping to pray." You'd say something's something's wrong there. Now, hopefully, it's a both and. There's a conscious praying and there's that kind of subconscious or. Our unconscious prayer that goes on is we have a prayerful spirit and heart, right? Very similar with walking in the spirit. Many of you have heard me use the illustration. It's the best I can imagine. It's a, I came here one day and coming into the work one early morning and here comes a, one of our security staff on a bicycle, riding a bicycle to work. And I looked at him and I said, where do you live? And he told me, and it's a long way and many hills in between. And I said, I am quite impressed. Quite impressed. And he didn't look like someone who was in great physical So I said, I don't know how you do that. He said, oh, it's simple. Look at my bike. I look over his bike, and it did seem sturdier than most, but I, I couldn't figure it out. I said, yeah, well, it looks nice. W- what about it? He said, no, no, no. Look at the little box down by the pedals. And here's a little small box. And I said, what's that? He said, that's a motor. And he said, all I do is come to a hill, and I turn that motor on, and it takes me right up the hill. If I want to pedal some, I can turn it off and go without, but I can, I can use it either way. And I thought, what a great analogy to your and my experience in life. We wake up in the morning, we say, Lord, I want to live for you. I'm a Christian, I'm, your, I'm a follower, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow you. And then we find that hill of temptation mid-morning, and we go, oh my goodness, I failed. I am so sorry, Lord. Tomorrow, when I meet that same hill of temptation, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to be obedient. And so we rev it up, and we try a little harder to get up that hill. We don't make it, and we say, God, I really feel sorry now. It's two days in a row I've done this. So tomorrow, I'm telling you, and so the next day we give everything, and we just, all the power we've got, our willpower won't get us up that hill. And finally, what do we do? We say, I can't. And when Christians start saying about their disobedience, I can't be obedient, say, whoa, there's nothing taking you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation taken you, but such as common to man and God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape. So we've got to learn how to, what does it mean? Well, we're using willpower instead of God's power. I want you to think of this. There are two things that are true, uh, uh, there are two kinds of people, I should should say, two kinds of people. Let's get our theology. This is basic 101 theology. There's two kinds of people in the Bible. There is the natural man and the spiritual man. You with me? Natural and spiritual. The natural man has how many natures? Anybody know? It's an option. I'm going to give you an option. It's either one or two. All right. One nature. And what is that nature? It's a sin nature. You can call it an old nature, whatever you want to call it. We have one nature. The spiritual man... Has how many natures? It's again the same two options. Has two, op- has two na- natures, right? Has the old nature and a new nature or, a, or God's nature, spiritual nature within us, right? So this first natural person is said to be in a particular person. Anybody know what the that name of that person is that we are in? Adam. The spiritual person is in a second Adam as he is called. And who is the second Adam? It's Jesus. So you got the two kinds of people. Now, take away the natural person. And let's take the spiritual person. Now, that spiritual person is capable of two things. Number one is he, or or first I'm going to say capable, he is. Two things true about the spiritual man. He or she is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. All right? Ephesians 1.13, after hearing the good news of the gospel, after understanding it, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So we are sealed, S-E-A-L-E-D, sealed with the Spirit. That's the first thing true. The second thing is true is we are capable, doesn't mean we will be, but we are capable now as spiritual people of being filled with the Spirit. Though we may not be, we can be always sealed, capable of being filled. With me still? All right, so still with me. Now, here's what happens. When we come into this world, this is me, and this is my old nature. My right hand is my old nature. And I am conceived and born into this world like this. It's inseparable. So when you start reading Romans 6... And Romans 7, you're going to understand a little bit about this. It begins to make sense. That we are so sealed with, with the old nature, our old nature, we're sealed with our old nature. Man, we are a slave to that sin. And we cannot not sin. We can do good things for wrong reasons. We can do bad things for wrong reasons, but everything we do is wrong. It's never seen as good in God's sight because we're like this. Well, something happens when we become a Christian. We go through a dying process. It's death. Do you know what the word death means? Somebody tell me what does the word death mean? Separate. So when we die to sin, using the words of Romans, when we die to sin, what happens to this? Boom. There's a separation. That's the time we become a Christian. Simultaneous with that, and I'll have to now use, this is, this is my old nature, this is me, this is my old nature, but there has got to be a, a third hand. Keep this one here. A third hand comes in, and this is God's Spirit, a new nature, and this happens to me now. I'm now bound to Him. Now I'm still, here I am, I've got this, but I've also got this. This is not taken away, thrown away, discarded. I've still got an old nature. That's why you have a Romans 7 teaching in the Bible. The good that I would, it doesn't seem i do. There's this battle going on, constantly going on. So now I've got a choice. Either I can obey the one with whom I'm sealed or I can choose, don't have to, but I can make a choice to obey the old nature, as tempting as it may be. But I don't have to, I just can choose to. The power of God's Spirit enables us to choose this to go the right way, all right? Now, I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bibles, just to read a text with me. And I'm just going to move from verse to verse because I, I don't have but just a couple more minutes here. I'd love to teach you this more. But in Romans chapter 6, having understood everything that I've just said, listen to how this reads now. In verse 3, if you go down to Romans 6, 3. It says, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Hmm. Knowing this, and I want you to look for this word know. Verse 3, Or do you not know? Verse 6, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Look at verse 9. Knowing, again the word knowing, that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. So it's describing this process that I made real simple by saying, here we are, I'm in sin, I die to sin. And he's using the term baptism, or united here, with the idea of the Spirit coming in, and I'm united or baptized with Jesus. All right? So that's the baptism. When his Spirit and mine, I come together. There's your baptism. Then I'm raised up to newness of life. But this is the resurrection of this new life that now I have on earth as a Christian. Does everybody understand that so far? That's, and, and the beginning, what Paul is saying here is you've got to know this, Christian. You can't just assume that, okay, this is willpower. You can, you can power it up. You can make it. You can quit sinning. You just keep working harder, try more. You can't do that. He's saying you've got to know what He's done for you as opposed to what you're going to try to do for Him. That's the good news called gospel. Understand it? So if you have that, that's big right there. First, you've got to know what He has done for us. Then it says in verse 11, if you skip down to verse 11. Before I go to that, let me use one other illustration. This one seems to connect a lot. Imagine a... Uh, a pirate ship, and it has an old captain, Captain Jones, wicked, evil captain. And to make the story short, mutiny. Everybody agrees we hate Captain Jones, and so there's mutiny that night. Everybody, 100%, everybody is on board with this. And so they're going to make him walk the plank. And they have already chosen Captain Smith to be the new captain, a very gracious, generous, good leader. And Captain Smith says, no, we're not going to have him walk the plank like you guys have have chosen. We're going to just come to port in about two days, three days, and we're going to put him out. And he has no weaponry, nothing that can truly hurt us. Therefore, we're going to just let him free. He can walk anywhere he wants on the ship because, hey, he's no longer captain. I'm the new captain and so forth. So the new Captain Smith says, okay, I want you guys to enjoy the next few days. Just enjoy yourself play, rest, sleep, I don't care. No work until we hit port. We'll put out the old captain. Well, the guys are out and they're just sitting around and they're playing cards or sleeping or whatever and here comes Captain Jones to a group of them sitting around. Captain Jones says, get up and swab the deck. And they jump up and they grab their pails and their mops and they start just working and they're sweating and and all of a sudden Captain Smith comes along and says, what are you doing? Well, I'm cleaning the deck. Why are you doing that? Well, Captain Jones told us we had to. Do you not know that Captain Jones has no authority over you anymore? That's the first step is you've got to know what's true of you. You no longer have to do that. Rest. Enjoy your rest. When we come to port and we die, when Christ comes back, that old nature has gone, right? We'll be fine then without. But until then, he's roaming around. But the truly, the reality is he's powerless without our yielding to him so now we come to a second term in verse 11 it says even so after saying no 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 he says even so consider yourself to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ he's not saying try to make yourself think you are when you really aren't no he's saying consider what you know how easy it is to get trapped some of you play sports most of us probably play some sport that we enjoy or have in the past and you know what it is I can remember playing tennis and I'm I'm playing a match against somebody I should beat, and he beats me, and I'm going, what was wrong? And I can't figure it out, and I come back, and I'm taking a shower, and in the shower all of a sudden I go, oh, man, what was I doing with that racket head in that position? Man, that, that's, no wonder I couldn't get that thing to top spin. No, that was my problem. Now, I didn't learn anything new while I was in the shower, but I considered something that I have known for years, and I had to bring that information back into the reality of my thinking. That's what this word means, to consider what you've already known to be true but are not practicing it. You're not embracing it. You with me? So he says you've got to consider. The third and final word you find in verse 13. It says, and do not go on presenting. And that's a key word there, presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So what are the members of our body? Would not be our eyes, what we look at, our ears, what we listen to, our mouth, what we say, our heart, where our affections go, right? Our mind, what we think, our, our feet, uh, I already mentioned that. Our, uh, I sometimes say my wrist, where I, technically a person would have a watch if they're carrying a watch to look at their time and so forth. It's just consider what you know and then make a presentation to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender So there is a knowledgeable component here and there is a heart component of submission and surrender. You put those together and I think you experience what we're talking about, the power of God's Spirit. When you acknowledge Him, He's the one that empowers and you come along. I close with this. It's a story that many of you have heard me use, but one of the greatest things that I ever learned about how to walk with God. I was curious to know how a friend of mine who was... 15 years older, 10, 15 in the Lord, older than me. And I watched him live a holy life. It was holy, it was godly, and I knew it was different than I was experiencing. And I went to him and I said, I said, would you please tell me how you live such a dead to sin life? I want to live that way. And here was his answer. He said, do you do push-ups? I said, I do. And he said, how many is the maximum number of push-ups that you can do? I mean, the true maximum. I told him the number. He says, is that really your max? I said, that would be the very max. I said, you couldn't do one more than that? No, that's it. That would be the very best I could do. He said, all right, let's assume that you got down and started doing those push-ups. And you got to that last push-up. And if it really is your last push-up, you're going to be shaking. I mean, you're going to be fighting. It's going to be like, are you going to make it or are you not? You know, it's going to be one of those. And you're, and can I get it? Can I get it? ah and you get it. He said, if I were to lean down and say to you at that point, if you can do one more, I'll give you $1 million. And you knew I had the money to do it. I'll give you a million dollars. Do you think you could do one more push-up? I said, you know, if you did that, that probably adrenaline would get me going. You know, maybe so. So he said, so you do it. And you don't really think you're going to make it because you're shaking, you're shaking, and you just can't get it up. But you won't give it up. You won't. You just keep going. No, no, keep going, keep going. And finally, you finally lock it out, ah, like this. And then I reach down and I say, five million more dollars if you can do one more. Think you could do it? Probably not. He said, but you'd try, wouldn't you? You know what would happen? You'd bend those elbows. The minute you bent, boom, your chest would hit the ground. And what you do, you'd probably look up at me and you'd say, I can't. He said, when you come to that place in your daily life about how you think in your power you can overcome sin, when you finally come to the place that you look up to the Lord and say, I can't, but you can, and I'm going to trust you. I'll present to you the members of my body as instruments of righteousness. And you do that on the basis of the knowledge of what he's done, died to sin, united with Christ, raised up. He said, that's when you experience new power. And I declare, I've begged the people I've worked with through the years, please let this just constantly soak your mind. Go through the day consciously saying, no, consider, present. I start my every day with that little prayer. Lord, today I want to consider what I know. And I walk through and just think about what he's done for me. I say, I want to to live on that basis today. And then, Lord, I want to present to you now the members of my body. And I know I'm going to have a struggle taking them back. But when I do, I want to go back through this. And and, and, re- and I, what happens? I lust. I say, oh, God, I took the eyes back again. I'm sorry. I gave them to you this morning. I took them back. I want to present them to you again based on the knowledge I know. Forgive me. That was so wrong. And you do that with your life, your affections. When you see that your heart's on the wrong things, your mind's dwelling in the wrong place, your word. Your, whatever it is, you say, God, I can't. But I know you can. Turn that little box on. Watch the power of God's Spirit come in. And I'm telling you, that's how you begin to learn to live a walk of obedience. It truly is. It's not just trying harder. You've got to get away from that. It's not just trying harder. It's God's power as you surrender. Are you with me? And so I ask guys all the time who've heard this. I said, when's the last time? I don't care if you use those words or not. Those have just been helpful to me. But when's the last time you consciously Ask the Lord with the knowledge of what he's done for you to take your members of your body. When's the last time you've done that? Oh, gosh, it's been months and months. Say, how many hills have you forfeited because you just didn't take this and consider what you know and then make the presentation? So I'm going to encourage you, make that your daily life. Start your day that way. End your day that way. Live your day during the week, during the middle of the day that way. Just constantly think about what he's done for you, and then you surrender to him. And I think that's what it means to live in the power of God's Spirit, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to walk through this again, and I ask that you would use us to uh, uh, to impact your kingdom because we're people who truly have learned to walk in the power of your Spirit. And uh, just hearing uh, last week that uh, learning about the spiritual waltz and, and so forth, the uh, same thing, now, Lord, I just pray that we would consciously be thinking what you have done for us so that we might then follow and live for you in your power. So grant that uh, cause us to find a good week uh, to this week doing that. Uh, cause our night tonight with our friends to, to be a good night of instruction and growth and surrender and accountability and care and nurture and all the things that we want to see happen. So bless that we pray and we pray in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen.